0: Good afternoon, Nadia. We are very happy to welcome you here today. Our viewers loved the conversation that took place at the diplomatic golf cup. And today we would like to ask you, what inspires you? What is exactly the source of your inspiration for socially important activities? Thank you
1: for inviting me, especially to such a beautiful place. It is always nice and pleasant to talk in the open air, not in some halls or studios, not under the spotlight, but just as it is now, with such a light that brings a great mood with such a smell of ozone. Thank you for such a meeting, thank you for such an interview. What can give me such an inspiration? It's not just socially important activities. I think every day in a person's life is socially important. Anyway, society does not stop, it is holistic, it is constantly moving as one living organism. I like having certain plans for tomorrow, in order to implement something or lay the ground for something. I like it this way, so I get up and start putting this into practice. Whether it is socially important or not, I think there is nothing unimportant in society. You've
0: just touched on this topic, and before that, we also discussed the Society 2020 project. I'd like to ask you, how do you envision such a model of society which would be more creative and constructive than the consumer-based one, where every person would be, first of all, a human being? How do you envision such a society and the ways it can be achieved?
1: From my life experience, especially the last five years of my life, it's sort of hard and a bit painful to talk about it because I've seen different examples. I've seen examples of how society is developing and living in Ukraine, what kind of relationship we have, what kind of impulses are between us. I've seen the society of Europe, the USA, Canada and how it develops there. How do I envision the society of tomorrow? Understanding the global process, I realized that… For example, there is a book written by Christia Freeland, she was born in Ukraine, but now she is a Canadian citizen, She's a politician in Canada, she wrote a book about plutocrats, they are even higher than kleptocrats. It's a cast of people about whom Hollywood movies are shot, it's when people possess everything, Such movies like Time, for example, show that one person can live a billion years and another person can die every day. That's the essence and philosophy of this book. And I like the conclusion made in this book. We know that there are the rich and the poor We know that there is social injustice, and in Ukraine, for example, this is felt with even greater pain, because we are at war, because we have a stagnant economy and stuff like that. But I've also seen richer countries, and still I've observed the same thing there. And in this book I found one such strange thing. It turns out that plutocrats are ashamed of being rich. They don't like to be called rich, and when they are called oligarchs, They want to be called successful, that is, people who have achieved something. I don't know why there is such a tendency among them, as I don't know many of such people personally. But Krista Freeland probably knew a lot of them and personally communicated with them, because before she became a politician she worked as a journalist. And she said that, in general, on a global scale, such an approach is arising in people, that there is some higher value in life, there is something higher than consumerist comfort. I could not believe that people come to this, especially knowing our situation in Ukraine and seeing that, in principle, our power holders don't even come close to such conclusions. But I have watched the latest news from the World Forums, where they make decisions especially after the events with the yellow Vest in France and they declare that this society should become more socially fair, that is, social benefits should be shared. Of course, there is always a war for resources in the world, although the human mind is a much more powerful resource than natural resources. We can invent and develop new technologies and simplify human labor, reduce the cost of living, well, and of everything you need in everyday life, this comfort. I hope that humanity will come to this. I hope that people who can at least finance education of other people will start precisely with this. Because it seems to me that tomorrow's society is a society that will understand that in addition to earning one's living, there are also other ways to live. It is not about living richly or luxuriously. They will just know that there are other possibilities. I mean, science and education have a great impact. And with such interviews, with conveying this information, I hope that tomorrow's world will begin to align itself with what you are conveying to people, that there is another way,
0: and it is possible, already tomorrow. Thank you so much for such an inspiring and optimistic forecast. I understand that it's really possible, because today, at the level of international projects of the Alatra platform and around the world in general, people actually express such point of view that it is necessary, it is already time to do something in order to implement the creative and constructive model in the society, from the perspective of internal qualities. Because now, when you are talking, you mentioned that people come to the fact that there are other goals. That is, when you reach a certain material, super-richness, so to say, you understand that it's quite an ephemeral thing, because it is never enough. No matter how rich you become, it is always not enough. Therefore, I'd like to ask, what do you think, what goals and intentions should motivate people to actions aimed not at accumulation of wealth, But it's something else, that is, what can this goal, idea, and motive be? You know, first of all, it's very important that people aren't
1: afraid. Because when a person falls into fear, while fear may be different, fear of war, fear of grief, fear of poverty, he falls into the lowest feelings and manifestations, let's put it this way, and then a human being almost ceases to be a human being. Therefore, it's very important that people in the society of the future have no fear, or that they can understand that this fear isn't the worst thing and can somehow overcome it. In childhood, we all read good books and fairy tales, where good always triumphs over evil fairy tales can be different in different generations. For example, we used to read such fairy tales about how a simple man burned down his house in order to heal a beggar's wound, and then the beggar rewarded him for this, because he turned out to be God. Now they read about Harry Potter with a magic wound, and still good triumphs over evil. But when we grow up, we somehow forget all the good fairy tales we read, because it turns out that the world is not a fairy tale, it is very real. I don't know what should motivate people of tomorrow so that a child doesn't want an iPhone, but wants to plant a rose, because the rose is alive, it will grow, and he should take care of it for a long time. My grandmother taught me to plant roses, you have to cover a rose, you have to wait. But when it gives you that life-giving power, it shares with you its life core. While the phone probably consumes your time and mind, but does it really give you any pleasure? Let's put it this way. I have an impression that all artificial or material things give you an opportunity to see only from a certain angle. But when you give yourself to something spiritual, living, and natural, you see the picture much lighter and brighter. How can we lead people to this so that people understand it? It seems to me that it's not so easy. Still, there is a society where people gather together when they have free time. They gather together to play chess, to dance, to plant trees in the park, or for embroidering and other handiwork. It's very important when people have life contact and have an opportunity to work over a common task. I'm not speaking about hard physical labor at work, but an important common task. I really wish people to put their energy into social rapprochement, but not into social detachment behind their
0: gadgets and screens, when they don't see each other in one apartment. That's really true, I agree with you very much. Continuing the topic of how society can change, it's really interesting to hear your opinion on the format of society. That is, we already know that today we live in a consumer-based society, which started 6000 years ago. But today there are tendencies for changing it. Perhaps you have certain ideas. How do you envision the change of this format on a global scale?
1: It's hard to tell for sure on this subject. I just can't answer the question whether people are born equal, equally the same or they are born different. I don't mean what we get from our work in our lives. I mean natural talents we are born with. Perhaps all people are equally gifted, just someone develops these talents while someone doesn't and suppresses them within himself. Well, it seems to me that the future society, the society of tomorrow, should renounce social benefits of material world. It should probably outgrow its childhood, so to say. For instance, if someone is born in a poor family and if he isn't taught that richness isn't really needed, then he will be trying to achieve this richness all his life. That is, we see a lot of such examples in Ukraine, how businesses have been developing since the 90s. That is, we actually observe this in our society, as well as that very issue of unlimited capital. If someone had explained us in childhood that we don't need to accumulate surpluses, that we're already happy. But is it possible to explain this to people? And how should people live
0: now in order to come to such understanding tomorrow? What if we change this precisely at the level of the society format? You've just said that unlimited capital is a norm in society. And what if it was not like this? In order for us to really get to this point, well, such
1: an idea won't come to all of us simultaneously at the same time tomorrow. I mean, that if someone has already understood this, another person won't come to such understanding just yet. This can and must be done by means of education. But implementation of this will take a very long time. At the same time, this can be done, like you said, at the level of the society format, at the level of the state How can a state plan its future? What does a state put in its basis, in the basis of future values for its future generations? Everything depends on who is in power in the state. Although we have a source of power, it's our people, the society doesn't wake up simultaneously as a single whole. And even if one village already lives like this, then somewhere else, somewhere around 200 kilometers away, it still lives differently. All people cannot wake up at once, they wake up little by little. Yes, it's great when there are some I don't know, fortune tellers, aretas, messiah, who finally direct people on this right path. Like, for example, Mahatma Gandhi in India, when all the people were waking up and changing their views towards the spiritual. But at the same time, if the state, the people, could elect such persons who would plan such things, that would be wonderful. Unfortunately, we don't observe such a choice yet. We are in a vicious circle. I hope that somewhere else around the world there is a better situation. Because in order to change the format in general, every person should learn some kind of self-denial. It may be difficult. This is taught by all the religions of the world. They don't teach people that they should accumulate material goods. They teach them to accumulate spiritual values. But regardless of the fact that religions exist in our world, still, our society does not live as we would like it to therefore, it is necessary to change this way of life, to reshape the whole world in general, so that every person understands that he can and should share. Usually, people who become rich, afterwards they become benefactors. People who are not super rich, but who still have surpluses, they can also share. This also means to be a benefactor. A person just needs to feel that sharing is good. I mean, sharing, not just taking. A person needs to experience this feeling after he has shared something. Yet, how many people are ready to do this? Our society is very diverse, not only in Ukraine, but also in the world. What can we do so that this comes up sooner? I don't know. We can pray to God, we can pray to nature, we can just hope and make small steps every day in order to make people understand.
0: What, for example, can every person do in one's place in order to change oneself? First of all, and to change one's immediate environment, one's job where one works, or the place where one studies, so that some kind of changes begin there. What can every person do?
1: To overcome aggression and anger in oneself. You see, you can't bring anything beautiful into the world when you are not burning from the inside. Anna, not every person has eyes that are shining like yours. Your eyes are constantly shining. They are shining with good, they are shining with curiosity. They are interested in everything, they are like the eyes of the child. And when every adult person has the eyes of a child, we will be much younger in general, and stronger in our souls and spirits. But very often you see that a child's eyes are already lifeless, as if he were old. It means that something hinders him or her inside. In order to achieve this change at your workplace, in order to start changing it, you have to go through seven circles of hell. At first, you are trying this and they don't understand you. Yet, you are not giving up, you have to be confident inside. You start it again, you are trying to reach out, everyone thinks you are crazy, it hurts, you are in worries. but then you keep trying and trying. Not every person will walk through this path. Someone will break at the first stage and say, come on, I'm like anyone else. Someone will not refuse from jealousy or from some kind of aggression to people. Someone will already curse the whole world before he comes to work from home, because it's traffic jams, it's stuffy, it's subways, it's public transport but we are trying to keep up our souls in good spirits. In this blooming state, there must be some kind of an igniting fire inside. The way such fire gets to you is different for each person. It comes to each person in different ways, in its own time, in its own space. For example, with a special event or a meeting with some person, and the world changes in a person, he never changes back. For every person this happens in his own time. Someone understands this at a very early age, while someone understands that he hasn't yet changed something on his deathbed. That's why it's hard to say. I think, yes, of course, all this is possible. For example, it's possible for me. I like it when I manage to stop aggression, when a person grumbles and I manage to do it in such a way that he doesn't grumble. It is very important for me to do good again and again in order to make a person smile. For example, he disliked everything, but then he smiled suddenly. So, that means he's already enjoying it all, and I've had a good day.
0: Indeed, it is such a sincere and very simple advice that each of our viewers, wherever he or she is, can easily implement and practice in their lives. Just now you've said, and this idea about the fire that is inside every person is very much felt. All of us must work on this task and keep up that fire in the focus of our attention. That is, it is clear that every person has this tool to redirect their attention.
1: Right. I guess it depends on such a factor as psychological health. Because there is spiritual health, there is mental health, there is psychological health. In our world, especially in the urbanized world, when a person has nowhere to escape, it may seem that a person is a good specialist. He has this fire, he is burning at work, he is fulfilled in his profession, he achieves success, he also makes the world a better place for people. But at the same time, he burns out inside. He has nowhere to recharge himself. It seems that he only gives and gives but gets nothing back, although the result seems to be good. A person is doing everything, but still he can't recharge himself, right? This produces exhaustion and fatigue. And where do people usually recover? They arrange recreation in nature. Well, if not a glass of alcohol, thanks God, then in nature. They go somewhere to get away from all this. And it's a pity we can't receive such contact in the return at work. It would be great if we had it reflecting on us constantly, sort of like an eternal engine recharging our batteries at work. Because you are doing the job you love, and you live in a society which is pleasant, harmonious and happy. Because everyone does what they love. Unfortunately, I very seldom see such a thing. I would really like the whole world to be gifted in such a way. But unfortunately, very often we encounter quite the opposite. Still, you have to preserve faith inside that everything will be better at some point in the future. You fall asleep after a hard day and think, tomorrow everything will definitely be better. This is called psychological health of a person. And a person should apply a search for this aura for himself in which he feels good and recover himself. Because it's impossible to work with everyone, you can't help everyone, but a person has to accumulate
0: this somehow in order not to burn himself out. Such a wise idea of the source which allows a person to manifest his best qualities in any situation. And I wonder, what is such a source for you? For me, it's probably my close
1: ones, it is my family. These are the people you see when you wake up every day. You will definitely worry if you don't see them at least once a day. For example, my sister has a very infectious laughter. When she is laughing, she makes everyone want to laugh. But when she is unhappy with something, she is like a little dark cloud. So I want to make her laugh all the time. Also, my mom, who is always... It is the warmth of her kind eyes which restores me. And it's all really very important, because you understand that these people don't feel any better than you do. If your destiny is hard, you really want to make life easier for them, and they want to make life easier for you. That is, this is the light that reflects back on me. I like building relationships in society, in the environment, in the team. If I join a team, unless it's an army, of course, because you are not building any relationships there. Let's say, military regulations build relationships there. But still, if there is such an opportunity in a small group, it's very important that it develops in a totally harmonious environment, because otherwise you don't feel good when working there. Again, I'm not talking about politics, because it's completely different. I mean people who depend on me at work and on whom I depend. That is, it is very important to build absolutely harmonious relationships in a team. It is very important not to look askance at anybody and not to step on anybody's foot in public transport in the morning, because I understand that all people in it have their own mood, so I want to show as little aggression as possible to people, simply to be in balance and in peace. And it makes it easier for me, and it makes it easier for people around me. As regards people, I meet a lot of good people around the world. Sometimes it happens that on a particular day I meet someone. I might never meet this person again. A person is already making my day with some gesture, some action, some look or some words. I understand that there is one more good person in this world. Then I meet one more, and then another one. These are very, very valuable moments, because, unfortunately, I don't meet such people every other day lately, who I can remember as being good. But when I meet such people, it is really very pleasant.
0: It is nice and it helps to believe in people. To believe in people, it all depends on
1: how many good and bad people you've met. Well, it's not that they are bad, I shouldn't judge that a person is bad. I mean people who are depressed or oppressed. When a person is depressed, it is impossible to say whether he is good or bad. He is in such a state right now. He cannot open up. Tomorrow he can change completely, but what he gives me today is just negativity. Then I meet one person who gives me positivity, which compensates for ten people who bring negativity. Then I go through it all and I have to search God, where is something in the world to help me recharge my batteries? And then I pass this positivity, which that person alone gave me to those ten people. It's a kind of a rule of five handshakes, that is, it's all a kind of symbiosis. It also depends on what profession a person works in. If I worked as a gardener, I would probably be much happier than working in the profession of politics or, for example, than being at war. While, on the other hand, even though a person needs to work a certain amount of time a day to earn his living, I hope that every person can and has the right to find a little corner, something to touch in order to recharge the energy, it is very important.
0: Right, and it would be even better, as you said, if there were no need to look for a corner in the society in general, in that kind of society where you communicate and interact, and it is natural that you are more like exchanging this good energy. For, if I understand you correctly, it is, so to speak, a very natural process, when people share.
1: Like I said, it has to be this way in a normal society where everything is basically more or less good and harmonious. This happens automatically. And this should be created in a society that is going through some tragedies, some misfortunes, still a person must make some effort to do so. Because sometimes it is difficult to smile, but you have to understand that if you do it, this will make it easier for a person and this will make you feel better too. And that's why you have to do it every day. Is this a job or a pleasure? Is this a natural way of life for people? It is natural for people to live happily. It is natural not to hate, but to love. It is absolutely natural for people not to destroy, but to build something, to create something. Why don't we as a whole society live happily in general, but still it is felt that many people understand that everything should be different. It is some inborn moral principle in the presence of which people and society have been developing for a very, very long time. You said that in a primitive culture there was a completely different way of life, but afterwards there started such a separation, and people began to develop in this emotional and consumerist direction. That's why it is very important to return to that now, it is very important to feel comfortable. It turns out that our body doesn't need so much protection to walk barefoot on the grass, it is pleasant. How can we Return to this. I think perhaps nature will return us to this. Perhaps you have seen this when people abandon very beautiful and rich cities because there are no jobs. Nature overtakes it breaks everything with green thorns, it takes everything back. I think that basically when the excess, something which people don't really need, is taken from them, people will return to something more harmonious,
0: because otherwise it will be impossible to live without it. We have just come to the subject of nature, this is the next topic that we wanted to raise. It is the topic of climate change that is taking place on the planet today because it is already known that it is not caused by a human factor. What do you think about it?
1: I think that, unfortunately, physics is the science that hasn't been developed recently. IT technologies or artificial intelligence are developing most of all, but natural processes are not studied. Natural processes are still very little researched, while in fact there are still a lot of things to research, not only stars, space and aliens, as they say, but even in the Earth, near the Earth, there is something to explore. The Earth doesn't have a perfect spherical It has a curved, elongated shape. It has its own biological fields, poles, and its orbit around the Sun. And all this gives certain shifts. Just like the Moon creates its tides, the same is happening within greater cycles of time. It happens so that temperature fluctuates, one side comes closer to the Sun, or it's moving away from the Sun in the orbit. And such changes are absolutely normal. Anthropologists found out, for example, that there was an ice age, shifts of glaciers, that is, all this happens in a classical way, and now we got exactly into such age, and now we have to survive it. How shall we protect ourselves? acclimatize and get used to it. I think the human body will get used to it, even to high temperatures. We will just adapt. I don't see anything wrong with that. Of course, we have to protect the environment, but it seems to me that our planet's resources, thanks God, are much greater than human resources. And our planet will survive. It will survive us all. And thank God, let it prosper and have even more wonderful generations.
0: It's true, but if we were talking about what a person can endure, it's likely that he can endure some. Something- Temperature change. But if we were talking about big tornadoes that are happening now in Ukraine, in Zhatomi region, or in Odessa, no one has ever seen a tornado there, yet they actually take place. They keep being recorded this year and they were recorded last year too. That is, now we see how huge rains happen in one part of the planet, while in the other part of the planet, very big fires happen. We also cover this on Alatra TV in the breaking news program, where eyewitnesses from different countries of the world connect and share in real-time what is happening, so that it doesn't go through the prism of the news for people to speak directly. As an eyewitness. As an eyewitness, right, what happens on the planet. Now climatologists have even introduced a new term – rapid climate change. That is the understanding that you cannot even say in advance what will happen even tomorrow, Because it is very unpredictable, and it is clear that soon a huge migration of people will begin, from one continent to another. In the context of this understanding of rapid climate change, what do you think is important for humanity to pay attention to? They say that weather forecasters make just one mistake, but they keep making
1: it every day. Therefore, it is hard to claim that some climate change or any processes and natural disasters in some country or in the world in general can be predicted, because very often people cannot predict what will happen. And if we look at history, there are many examples of population resettlement. We don't understand what historical reasons caused this, what the main reasons were, whether it was a demographic explosion when there were a lot of people in the same area or because of natural climatic changes. People always tend to make settlements somewhere near rivers where there is water, or somewhere in the forest where it is cool, that is, where there are favorable conditions for life. People rarely settle in a desert, unless there is the Nile River. We are a society of the planet Earth, which is already quite civilized, and most people have some kind of education. I mean, we study some natural sciences, we understand why particular processes take place. And we can understand all this by studying history, and thus, we can imagine what the future will be like. That is, we understand that definitely there will be some resettlement of peoples. We observe this now. Yes, now the changes are probably more connected with the military and political processes, but also with the demographic processes, as well as with climatic processes. If someone, the humanity, is interested and researches this, they can find out that climatic changes consist in certain shifts of tectonic plates when the Earth changes its volumes and landscape. Again, it can be change of axis or something else, meaning it won't disappear in general, it's just something will change on it. And according to that, all living creatures inhabiting it, from an ant to a human being, including big, Horned animals, deers, bears, tigers, everybody will run somewhere, that is, everybody has to save their lives, and everybody will move somewhere. That is why we are well aware that, for example, from the demographic point of view, the territory of China is overpopulated, although basically no one can count them accurately, because they have not conducted census of population for a long time. At the same time, for example, Russia has a certain territory while it has only... 150 million people. It is clear that some natural processes, some kind of movement of peoples will take place. We can observe, for example, Syria, for example, Lebanon, Bolivia, allocating to Europe. These are natural historical processes. Everyone understands nowadays that human life is the highest value in the world, I would say one of the highest values, because, for example, the soul should be an even higher value, because the body is mortal, while the soul is supreme matter which is unknown to us yet. And it is very important that even though your body will have to go through all this, and possibly through a lot of physical pain, your soul can still live further as a more pure and higher matter. It is important that people understand that there is still enough space on this planet for everyone, if we move a little bit, and there will be nothing to worry about. If such manifestations don't take place in people which are now taking place, for example, in Europe, due to the migration from the North Africa and the Middle East, such things as protection of national identity and one's own benefit, then basically there will be enough space for everyone. I think we have global programs, governments, and organizations for a reason. And we should understand that it is necessary to educate people, to explain that, naturally, there is a certain area which is not inhabited. It has a certain level of fertility. Well, even from the same Google Map research, a certain number of people can move there. This land now belongs to a certain state and we start working with the government of the state so that there is no cataclysms in the world, so that a severe war doesn't happen while someone is sitting back and watching millions of people die in wars. During such resettlements it is very important to program and tell people that they will be neighboring with others absolutely comfortably. Because anyway, we are all people, we all have one head, two arms and two legs, we have the same soul, we have the same mind. And it's a pity that nowadays they put only negative information into people's heads. Like, for example, there is a shadow government of the world which is exterminating one part of people in order for other nations to come there. People are inclined to believe in this because the situation of poverty predisposes to this. I really wish that the United Nations, Hollywood, mass media in general, focused on the fact that We have nothing to divide at all, we all have enough of everything, and we can scoot over a little. Well, it's hard to say how soon people will come to this.
0: Having in mind the speed of cataclysms, we realize that it is already an urgent issue of the present day. Literally of yesterday, I'd say. Literally yesterday, right, I agree with you. Literally of yesterday. Because watching everything that is going on, we realize that there is no time to wait. We have to act, stop being silent, we need to speak about this and to unite. We understand that we have become accustomed to waiting for someone to take this first step, and the idea that somewhere, someone, will warn you in advance, or will do something, but it will be someone else, not me. But since it becomes so obvious now that this is happening, such a question arises, that people from various countries can already stop being silent. This is the first step you've been speaking about to start discussing this even in a larger format.
1: I have just recalled two historical facts that have not yet been completely forgotten. It's the history of the United States and the resettlement of people to North America. It was inhabited by different peoples, they were very different. The first pillars and milestones, when people had already realized that they had to move on to the next level, were precisely the creation of the constitution and the creation of a state in general. It wasn't quite bad, because very high values were laid in it for people, not material goods, but spiritual and humanitarian values. For example, the value of human life and health, and so on. The other example is Switzerland. It is a country where there were four nationalities that were constantly fighting with each other for territories. At one point they got tired of dying and killing each other and said, let us understand that basically we have nothing to divide, we have enough of everything. Will the world come to this now? especially since there are many more countries in the world, and who should initiate these processes? Should we do this, or someone else? There are a lot of world organizations that are actually engaged in approximately the same sphere. Maybe they don't even know about each other. Maybe they need to unite into one big organization and reach out to the people who, first of all, have the opportunity to make decisions, and then communicate these decisions to others in a given historical period. To implement these programs throughout society because, like I said, it is possible to convey this information to a billion, two or three billion people on the planet at once, or we can convey it to some groups, and these groups will start spreading this message in a clear language, just like our interview. We speak the same language, tomorrow it will be translated, and we will be understood by more and more people. After all, it is very important, if, for example, an organization like Alatra could, let's say, cooperate with others by attending forums where governments gather, they would probably be heard sooner That is, it will be possible to spread this information and implement it more efficiently. Millions of people can watch us in this interview, they can get imbued with this idea and start with themselves. But in order for this to happen, so to say simultaneously, it is necessary to spread the information from the top to the bottom, and from the bottom to the top, from both the organizations and the states, then this will happen very smoothly
0: from all directions, from people to people. Like you said, it is clear that there should be such a process where people negotiate with each other, just like you described on the example of Switzerland. This idea is very close to our plan to hold a very large conference in a year, where we will gather the population of the entire world. It is already possible today technically, There is no need for people to gather at one stadium which would accommodate 3 or 4 or 7 billion people. This can be arranged from any city from where you live. People can gather as a group or even connect from their own rooms and join the video conference via Internet, for example, as we did on May 11th. And we can do this in a year. By the way, we also invite representatives of all states without exception to this conference. And we offer them to join it from their offices in order to raise this question. Maybe it's already time for everyone to come to an agreement? Because it's not just the issue of climate, but of the consumer-based society in general, they are already leading us to the threshold of self-destruction, because we are also faced with the emerging issue of nuclear weapons, which is also threatening us, along with the climate, such two major issues. We really don't want this. And our universal grain project has proved in thousands of interviews that people say, We have nothing against each other at all. We want to live in peace and harmony with each other. We are ready to love and to welcome others. Therefore, if the biggest part of people is like that, why do we not know about it? Let's come to an agreement, because it's really possible. Moreover, I even would not speak in the context of a possibility, but in the context of an urgent need, as we've just discussed.
1: I guess, if we sow this universal grain of wisdom simultaneously in as many people's heads as possible, in their hearts and souls, this will probably give us a much more effective and rapid germination of these very sprouts, which won't destroy this planet and humankind, but, on the contrary, will be able to preserve life. I think it's a wonderful idea, and the more people are involved, the better. If there is such a powerful platform, where there will be famous people of the world, and not only politicians, but also people of art, people who speak and who are heard. At the same time, every person will be able to join this conference and watch it and take part in it, even though he is somewhere in a different place. Indeed, technologies enable us not just to watch it as a record, but to watch it in real time, to discuss something. And at the same time, this idea will be analyzed somewhere else. Really, I think it's wonderful, and there is a year still. I think that it can be organized very well and I'm sure that you have a lot of like-minded people who think alike. I have watched your recordings. I have watched how this was taking place. It was really fantastic. While watching this event, I realized that it was something massively alive. I will be very happy to join you in a year too. God willing. We'll live to that and everything will be fine. It would be great to join and to listen. I can help to organize it and to join as a speaker, if I may. It would be really great if we all could hear each other at the same time, all together, in one united impulse, which is more powerful than in general. Such massiveness gives a more powerful. Powerful impulse that when it happens during a week, like, oh, I watched it when someone else watched it. But if there is such a single wave, it must spread very powerfully. I hope this works. We are
0: grateful to you, indeed. We are sincerely grateful. We look forward to your participation. We understand that it all becomes possible thanks to people like you, who feel, you know, who really trust what they feel because we all understand that every person in the world actually feels this need, yet not everyone listens to it. That's why this example is so important, the example when a person listens to this and grounds his or her actions exactly on this inner impulse. What's also important
1: is that days can be different. It's important to keep this up and say, no, what I felt on that day was precisely right. I want to feel this again tomorrow, even though today is covered with a little black cloud. Thank you, Anna, so much. We are
0: grateful to you for this interview. And on behalf of all the viewers who will be watching it, On behalf of the ALLATRA movement, we would like to present you what has inspired us to this activity, the book Alatra. Thank you. And here is the book Universal Grain that we discussed earlier. That is what really motivates millions of people around the world to act today. And we are very happy that together with you it is really possible, and we will do this. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you soon. See you soon.